0: Hello everybody and welcome to another comedian's interview for my blog, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 750 comedians and counting over the last 45 years. My special comedy guest today is Mr. Andrew Ryan. Yes! Hello mate, how are you?
1: I'm good, thanks, thanks for having me on Richard, you uh, every time I see uh, pictures of always being comedy, I just see your face in the front row in the same <laughs> seat every week.
0: We have, um, I'm on the virtual front row of it, and yeah. uh, basically what they do is they take the piss every week, but I have an absolute blast, it's, it's, I'm, I'm so glad to be part of that because uh, I've been going there for about five years so they must get yeah. sick of me. But <laughs> well, you're probably
1: you're probably more addicted to comedy than the comedians. I? <laughs> so like, I do
0: enjoy it. Yeah,
1: obviously. <laughs> you know, it's obviously it's, it's it's you know look some people there's I often find the comedy fans. You know, I have people that have come to see me every year in Edinburgh, and yeah. you know it's really nice. And um, but you're you're probably. The most dedicated comedy fan in the whole of it, the whole of the UK. Yeah, you know, it to be a massive part of, you of your life, you know. Wow, that
0: that is extraordinary. I just I just love it. I I I had an idea um, because I'd seen so much of it that um, uh, I thought, well, this might make a good blog. I had a giant spreadsheet of every act I'd ever seen. How boring is that?
1: <laughs> well, it's. I'm not be funny, about you, but you know, if that's what you like, do it. And exactly I was never. Right. I always say to exactly. people, like. You know, I have a friend of mine, and he's a guy I know, he's my age, and he's big into engineering, right? right. And he just loves, he loves buildings. And he, one of his hobbies is, is that he travels and just looks at buildings and building sites. And That's fantastic. He, he just watches documentaries on buildings and engineering. And he was telling me that, like, there was a documentary on uh, St. Pancras train station <laughs> being built on ITV about 10 years ago. And he said it was just like it was a like Christmas Day for <laughs> us. You
0: know. <laughs> whatever brilliant. whatever makes people happy. Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, well, you made me very happy. And today the interview is all about your comedy career. So we're gonna go right back to the start. You're one of my very favourite comedians. Tell me how did you become a comedian, please?
1: Uh probably from this amazing childhood that I had. <laughs> no, it's uh, <laughs> it's a combination of a lot of things really I did my first gig when I was 14 wow and so I stole a load of uh, Billy Cottingly Mer- material and Bill Bailey material and I did wow. it to like 20 family members and I smashed it I probably did about 3 minutes and I absolutely smashed it and then I did it the following week and died in my arse so um, but yeah like I'm the youngest you see so um,
0: 14 is amazing
1: yeah, like I'm the youngest, and I think, you know, I can see the difference in the personality traits in my, my siblings because my sister is obviously the only girl, so she would have been she'd quite vocal because, obviously, she had three brothers, so she would have had to speak up a lot, quite sort of in charge of situations and demand stuff, like, you know, because she was the only girl. I was the youngest, so obviously I was always kind of looking for a bit of attention, and therefore, for me, probably getting attention and was probably about, uh, you know, trying to be funny, you know, trying to do something a little bit different. So kind of got the gene to kind of say the odd line here and there. And then when I got to 18 and 19, like I always wanted to be a comedian, but like I grew up in Cork, like where there was nothing, you know, in South of Ireland, like where there was like to be a comedian. Most people say to me, like, how do you just start? Like, how do you just become a comedian? It's kind of like, well, you know, Britain has always had this epicenter of comedy. British people going to comedy in the UK is like going to Gaelic football match in Ireland, you know, like it is part of your kind of DNA. And I suppose the way I look at it is like the British empire in the past. uh, British people love to be entertained. It's kind of like, you know, entertain us, you know, because yeah. For such a, for such a small country and countries, you know, like, you know, Britain produces phenomenal entertainment, phenomenal TV, drama, music. I mean, you never turn around and go, oh my God, I'm going to see that brilliant Finland band from Finland.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah, always, yeah. it's
1: always, you never, you're never like, oh, that Dutch indie band are playing. You're like, no one goes to see that. Like, it's, it's always British music, British actors, British films. So yeah. entertainment, in the United, you know, Britain has a lot of things going for its going for itself in terms of entertainment and comedy obviously falls in that. And that's why when I was growing up as a kid, I used to follow the likes of Tommy Tiernan, Ard Lohanlon, Ed Byrne, Dylan Moran. Oh, uh, and they were all in England. And I just like, and this was pre-into that age now as well. Like, so, yeah. you know, you know, you know, you'd hear that they'd go to Edinburgh Festival and do the clubs in London. And anyways, but you just got to go to England. And um, that's what I did. I just went to England and uh, I spent 16 years there. And I didn't do, I went and I didn't do a comedy gig for five years because I got a job and I got caught in a sort of working, drinking, having the crack, living away from home. And I'd go to comedy every week. I'd always go down to like the Frog and Bucket. I was living in Manchester. I'd go to the Frog and Bucket, go to the comedy store. Not every week, maybe twice a month I would go I'd go on a Saturday night and I'd watch the pros. And then I realised uh, they had an amateur night on a Monday and I was about 25, 26 years of age. And I I was working in a bank and obviously didn't enjoy that. And I just went there one night and I saw Dan Nightingale, who was the MC, and I just went up to him at the bar and I said, hi, my name's Andrew, how do you get on? And he said, ring this number. Now You've got an email, you have to ring the number. Ring You ring the number on the Monday. And I rang the number and they put me down. They said, turn up three, month, three weeks later, you get to do the gong show. So I turned up, uh, absolutely bricking myself for about three weeks, wrote about four or five minutes of jokes and lasted just lasted about a minute and 20 wow. seconds. No, sorry. Um, yeah, that was at the frog. But I, two years previously, I drunkenly got up at the gong show in the comedy store completely ill prepared just you know they say to the audience does anyone want to go uh, I was like (laughs) and I I think I think I think I think it went so bad that I wouldn't even like that was my first proper gig but I wouldn't count it as a gig but I did like it wasn't like it was more like just a drunken ramble whereas the frog was kind of like I've actually booked this and I've planned this do you know what I mean so that was the first gig but this was the first serious attempt if you kind of know what I mean so, you know, like,
0: so so you didn't go, did you go through any uh, pub gigs where you get five minute slots and you take yeah. a friend along?
1: Yeah, so what I used to do was I used to go down to the Frog Den every Monday and I, I did the first gong and I didn't really do well and I got back on again three weeks later. And you just stand at the back of a bar and, you know, everybody starting out will have this thing. You stand there and you can always tell who the comedian is. They're on their own. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're always on their own and they're they're look nervous. And uh, you go up and go, you just say hi, are you on? And they go, Yeah, I'm on. And they go, hi, I'm Andrew. And what happens is you just you end up then doing the show with them, and then afterwards you'd have a drink with them. And next thing you know, you're kind of meet that person and that person introduce you to someone else. And then a couple of weeks later they say, Oh, listen, I know a guy who's running a gig here, they're looking for a five minute spot. Do you want to come? It's a car share. There's no money in it but you have to pay petrol and you're like yeah okay then you go to the next gig you meet someone else next thing you know you know it's like any industry the, the longer wow. you meet and you talk and you get offered and then you're obviously trying to get better as an act and yeah. learning and so what i did was i actually got a job part-time fridays and saturday nights at the frog and bucket in the bar wow and i worked there for about six months and I used to watch the show on a Friday and a Saturday, and I got to know the managers, I got to know the owners, I got to know the acts. So I would go up to the green room and say, see all the acts like John Bishop and Sarah Milliken and Jason, Jason Cook, and uh, you know, like there so many acts, and you get next thing you know, you start chatting to them, you know, and then. I remember one night I was working there behind the bar and Toby Haydock was the MC and two acts never turned up for the gong show so they came up and went oh Andrew behind the bar does it and i beat the gong a couple of times I'd never won it I don't think and I went on stage anyway they called me up from the bar next thing you know you know you you, you end up working there I was, I'd was work on a Monday as well I'd watch the show on a Monday as well so I'd be in there Friday, Saturday and a Monday now I was still having a 95 job at this point so it was pretty, pretty exact pretty knackered yeah and eventually, I got to know Toby, and Toby would then see me, and he was like, "Oh, I run a gig on a Sunday, new material at like the comedy store. Do you want to come down?" Then I get down to the comedy store, and I do five, and then the guys at the comedy store would see me. Do you see what I mean? Wow, and, then and then it just then escalates. It just, just yeah, Next thing wild. you know, you're now part. You become a little bit of a part of a community. And then I was working behind the bar, and then obviously, um, you know, I was I was serving the comics alcohol. And then I would get to know the comics then I'd finish the the bar would close yeah. at twelve and I'd be done by half twelve and we'd go out until two in the morning, three in the morning and we'd drink, mixing. <laughs> yeah, that's how and that's how and that, that's how I did it. And I did all of this with a Nokia thirty-two ten. You wow. know what I mean? Like I didn't have a, a, a you know, become an Instagram comedian or a yeah. Facebook comedian. Yeah. So it was it was proper graft. Like it was proper, proper... I was probably the last Good generation, Good the last you. generation yeah. of the, you know, I did it for two years and held a job down at the same time. Um, and so, and I think, I mean, it's not about the money. I would have done it for free, but I think I ended up, it cost me about 6,000 pounds just to do it. Wow. Because when I actually went full time, I was earning enough. I was in 6,000 pounds worth of debt from all the expenses. I had to wow. buy a computer. Yeah. I had to travel to London for five minute spots and get a train and then stay in a hotel. So it would cost me two hundred quid to do a gig, and I would earn no money.
0: So what year? What you year know? was this that you started?
1: Two thousand and nine, two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. Yeah. Okay. So I was Absolutely. just learning. Like I yeah, was just learning. Yeah, yeah. But like it's you all know.
0: experience. All experience. Um, you know, my home city is Carlisle, and uh, a very very good friend of mine and his wife live in Manchester, and I used to go to Manchester all the time and see. All the all the big all the big comedy acts yeah. over the years, and about two years ago, for the first time ever, I went to the Frog and Bucket. I always wanted to go. We'd normally go at the Comedy Store, um, but uh, we went to the Frog and Bucket, and I just thought this is a fantastic venue, and it, yeah. it, it's such a good room to play. You know, yeah. the audience were fantastic. So that 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 is superb.
1: Yeah, it is. You know what? Like when I lived in Manchester, like I, and I thought in Manchester as well as you got to be able to play big rooms quite yeah. quick Yeah. and the gigs were proper. Like when I went down to London, there was a lot of, you know, you turn up and there's 15 in the audience and five of them are comedians. And whereas in Manchester, you know, I could go out on a new material night in the comedy store that Toby Haydock used to run because he saw me at the frog and I would go out there, and it was two pound a ticket. There'd yeah. be three hundred and fifty people in the room.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that what, must have been daunting.
1: It's oh, horrendous. horrendous. Oh, I mean, yeah. like, I mean, I, I mean. Sometimes I look back at it and I think to myself, "How did I have the <laughs> the mental capacity to process all of this? <laughs> you know, like, like you're literally walking out. Like, I used to be so like my nerves were pretty bad. Like they were, they were very, very bad and I I focused on myself that I have to I have to I have to accept nerves I have to accept that this is the process because the the, the nerves so like I remember like if I was doing a gig and I was on stage at nine o'clock from three o'clock onwards I probably wouldn't eat and then (laughs) I'd finish the show say at nine, nine thirty and then I'd have a pizza and I would just be on this massive you Know for you, six hours beforehand, you're in a, in a zone, and then there's a release, there's
0: an adrenaline um, that, that releases yeah. when, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's weird because you know, I've so felt, and I learned,
1: you know, uh,
0: um, I was just going to say, I've told um, nearly every comedian I've talked to this story, but I've actually had a go myself at a gong show, um, and uh, it was just terrifying. I walked out and uh. I said, I said, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, uh, people think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, but I can't see the resemblance myself. And of course, I'm his double. And one old bloke yeah. at the back just went, Shut off and-, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. then, and the guy went, have another go, have another go. And I had another go. And the same thing happened. And I said. I'll support them forever more but I'd, I'd never say never again but so yeah so that is a fascinating way to get into it like you did but having the pub atmosphere you got to know everybody as well that was that's wonderful
1: it was a real it was a real community like you know like it yeah. was a real community like I mean I'm still friends with people who I met doing open spots with who don't do comedy anymore yeah like they 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 got into it they did it for about a year, you know, and then they drop out, you know, because they have girlfriends and they become wives and they get yeah. older and they realise, oh, this isn't really going anywhere. Whereas where I was a bit like, well, I'm going to invest in this and I'm going to see how far this can go. And eventually, you know, I just was like, this is, I just worked at it. I just worked at it. And I made like I made so many mistakes as well, you know, like... Yeah. But, even I think, writing, but I think you, you know? have to
0: do that to become a better comedian.
1: It's all experience. Yeah, and like... Oh, it's all experience. Like, I mean, I would say I've only really felt, not comfortable you, because I don't think you ever feel comfortable as a comedian, but I felt comfortable walking on stage, really not like, I would still be nervous, but I would be comfortable enough to know that I can handle the nerves probably only the last four or five years, you know? So like, I would say like the last, like, and then I look back at certain things I've done or routines I've done and I go, God, what, I just chased the joke and I never developed the story and, now I'm much more streetwise that it's kind of like whenever I'm writing something now, I don't chase the laugh. I no. chase to how do I develop it? And I know the more I develop it, the more, the more jokes I can get in it. So I actually probably in the last two years, I would say I probably, I have I've developed into, the, into a comedian that I actually like, like I like what I'm doing. Whereas before a lot of the time it was, I just want to get rebooked. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I would because I've bills to pay, and I, I obviously I would I would do comedy for free. It's not a, not a money thing. But yeah, yeah, when yeah. when you have bills to pay and you live in a different country and you don't have like family support and stuff like that, there becomes this thing where it's kind of like I just need to keep, I need to fill my diary and it out. And I became a little bit more focused on filling my diary and being busy than actually developing my act. And I think now then when I got to a stage where you know I was very lucky. That I diary was filling anyway, um, and I kind of suppose people would just book me anyway. And I know obviously I would do try and do a good good job, but I I didn't put so much pressure on the diary being filled. So then I I started to say I, I need to go back to my act and I went back to my act and then obviously I developed the act more and then as I developed the act more the diary was still filling anyway because the yeah. act was getting better because yeah, the act yeah, was getting yeah. so yeah. so so I actually ended up going through I want I, I my, my process was I want to be a comedian I did everything to become a comedian and then I went a bit stale which was I just want to stay a comedian and then once I got through the staying part I then developed as a comedian do you see my point?
0: Exactly so, yeah 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 I was just going to so, say um, you know I so I I first saw you do a 10-minute slot at We Love Comedy in Balham in 2013. And I could tell tell, then, what I love about your act, genuinely, is that you're one of the most naturally funny people when you're on stage. You make it look so easy. And, (laughs) And this is, even if you're going through nerves and all the rest of it, you do make it look so easy. And you're very endearing, you're very warm on stage. And I think that's a massive quality to have because obviously, comedians, number one thing they've got to be is funny. But if you're endearing or original or warm when you walk out on stage, you're halfway there with an audience.
1: Um, likeability, likeability. Is yeah, that yeah, very, saying? very yeah. much
0: so. And you've got it in spades, mate. You really have. But you know what?
1: I think I think the Irish accent really helps. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Like, yes. like someone said to me. Someone said to me once at a gig. They said, uh, "Are you going to be Irish tonight?" And I was like, "I'm going to be extra Irish tonight,
0: <laughs> No, I've always, I've always thought that, and I've told you that before. Um yeah. What do you like to talk about on stage? Well, it's developed.
1: You- it's developed now. Now now, like for example, I'll give you an example like what I'm writing about now so like um now I'm more uh self critical than I've ever been, and more sort of more opinionated right. i i used to i used to be interested in opinions on stage, but i my opinions would be quite balanced if you know what I mean like I'm not a political comedian or anything like that but at the moment now, like I'm doing this thing where I'm, ta- I'm writing about that the biggest problem in society at the moment is the general public. You know what I mean? Right. So like I have this bit, like where I'm working on um, about what the things we can do to, 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 to get rid of the general public. You know? yeah. and, um, and then I'm also working on, I recently moved house and moved I because of COVID, you yeah. know, everything changed. So I bought a house and I moved into it, but I, I bought a house in Belfast and I went from Cork which is a four hour drive but um, I actually bought the house in East Belfast now if people know Belfast they'll know that East Belfast is predominantly the British area of uh, Belfast and as you can tell I'm as Irish as fucking anything do <laughs> you know what I mean so like um, I'm writing material about living in uh, East Belfast and buying a house and all this kind of stuff and it's about like uh, just so I, 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 I you know this isn't like, I'm not changing the game with material here. No, no. I'm no. just talking about my my life and, you know, um, more sort of like, uh, you know, I, like with COVID and stuff like that, I've been quite brutal with COVID in terms yeah. of material about that and the material about how so many people now feel that they're all experts in viral diseases and all this. And I'm just kind of like getting, the older I'm getting, I think the not more grumpier I'm getting, but the more I'm kind of like going, well, look, you know, I, I'm kind of like, being a bit more world sort of view on stuff and um, kind of coming at things from a much different angle than I used to and I think and I think that's quite liberating because I've got to a point now where I'm very comfortable in my skin in comedy and now I'm kind of like taking uh, I'm just going off on different tangents and developing things more it's like it's like like I, I'd be a big fan of Frankie Boyle now. Yeah. But if you watch him on telly you kind of think he's not the most endearing or likable character, but his jokes are so, so on sharp, point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the thing. Like if you're an unlikable character, you have to have the jokes to kind of carry that. And I think I'm trying to get a bit of a balance of likeable, but also a little bit sort of like, oh, Jesus, I can't believe you said that, you know. Uh, so, you know, not that I'm, not that I'm deliberately trying thing. to do it. Or I'm not trying to deliberately say because I don't just want to be the, oh, yeah, he just did a really nice routine about going to Tesco's, you know what I mean? Whereas uh, I want to talk a bit more about like, why Tesco's exists. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff, like, you know. So, so I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like going through, I mean, the pandemic really, really messed me up. I, was, I thought I was at a really good turning point, like really kind of, I was going into, I was getting into fifth gear, you know? Right. And I spent years going through, I spent you know, so many years going through the gears and starting out in first and then getting to third gear and then being stuck on third gear for a while and then getting into fourth and then having to go back to third because I made a few mistakes at like fourth gear. Yeah. And now I'm kind of, I felt I was really getting, I was got asked to do some supports with John Bishop in the arenas Oh and um, and there were like seven thousand people a night. And then I was invited over to Sydney Comedy Festival in Australia. And then I could really see different the, the, the levels had moved. You yeah, know, yeah. like the levels had moved. And then obviously all that taken away. But you know what? You know, rest is as good as a change. And I got another job. I'm actually working in B and Q. That's what I'm doing. You know, so yeah. like I, um, I've gone from working twenty nights a week doing stand up. To, you know stacking shelves and being cute so uh, and I really like it and I've written loads of material about being cute you know so like
0: that's brilliant so when you so, come back yeah like, right, I
1: like yeah yeah you know I like working I like I like to yeah. work you know and I'm doing a lot of Zoom like you know I'm just doing yeah, a lot of yeah, Zoom yeah. doing writing doing voice work yeah and, it's great that's brilliant you know it's great um, t-
0: to date what's been your best and worst gig <sighs>
1: Okay, the worst gig is it's bad. Go on. <laughs> it's bad. Okay, so this is this 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 happened. This right. actually happened, right? Okay. I got
0: asked.
1: I got asked would I come and do a gig in Warrington, right? And it was for a birthday party, yeah. and I was a bit suspicious doing a gig at the birthday party, you know. I was like, oh, I don't really think that would suit comedy. And they were like, oh, no, no, don't worry. It's a proper setup. Like, you know, the seating, theater style, you know, everyone is, it's fine. Like, there's going to be, there's an MC and everything and all this. Now, I was a bit like, I wasn't working. I was offered a bit of money. I was like, yeah, whatever. So I turn up down at this gig, right? And I walk in and it's, all I hear is, like this dance music, right? And I'm thinking, oh, this must be another venue next to the venue I'm in. And I turn up, and there was standing a topless male waiter.
0: Oh my! Right, and he's this guy's,
1: This guy's got a six pack, and he's got a tray of champagne. Now there must have been a hundred people there, hundred twenty people there. And it was in a nightclub. It was in a nightclub. And I'm thinking, I'm walking in, going, "Where's the comedy room?" <laughs> like, so there's this chocolate fountain there's all these you know, like the only way is Cheshire type of white tees everywhere like I mean I was just like oh, what is this so anyway the guy that books me he's there he was a nice fella and he says to me, oh come with me I'll put you in the room and I was like oh great this isn't my event like this isn't my event right so I go into another room and he's like oh don't worry we've got a special room with the back that's going to be comedy for the stand up and all that and I was like I was like what's going on out there and he was like oh that's the, that's the birthday party but did the comedies for different like and I was like oh my god right I automatically (laughs) I'm thinking this isn't right I I need to leave (laughs) so they bring me into this room and it's a nightclub but there's no seating but there's a stage next to the DJ box and next thing you know he says right we're going to do it here and I'm like you what like what is this like this and I, I do you know what I genuinely thought I was being pranked I was expecting <laughs> someone to come out with a camera and go gotcha and I was like what is this <laughs> so next thing about eight people arrive into this room who are all from the party next door now in the background I hear boom boom chica boom chica boom 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 and I'm standing there going what the fuck is this like <laughs> So the MC goes on, he goes on, and there was just eight people standing in front, like no seating, nothing, like, it's, it's, it's like a public auction. And I'm just like going, what is this? So he goes on and he goes, we've got a great comedian for you. And I'm like, you can't bring me on, this isn't, this is like standing in the street, you know. Anyway, I walked on anyway thinking, I was booked for half an hour. I think if I get to 10, that's good, you know. So I'm on about maybe a minute and I'm thinking, Oh my god, this is insane. I can't believe they what have you seen the top? I didn't know what to do anyway. This guy was in one of the eight, this guy just walks up to me and stands on the stage and he just puts his head in front of me. As if to say, like, do you wanna fight? Oh my god. And I just go, What is this? And I went, I told one joke and I left, right? And I was I was I was shaking like I thought yeah. this was I thought this was a piss I thought I thought it was a bit of a wind up you know yeah and uh, I said to the guy I said you you need to pay me and he's like oh I'll get you the money I'll get you the money I said you need to pay me for this this wasn't just great like you know I'm not happy with this ten minutes past no money fifteen minutes past no money oh, uh, anyway. So I'm standing in the bar. I go back out to the bar. Now, bear in mind, the majority of people in the venue didn't see the act because there was only about eight people there. So there's got a hundred odd people there. So I'm fine in the bar. So I'm standing at the bar anyway. The birthday party was for a girl, maybe in her 30s, right? And so I'm standing there and there's no money coming. So I'm thinking, you know what? I've been shafted here. I've driven here. I'm gonna put this down as an experience. This is the side of comedy when you're starting out that people don't know about. I've been done, I've been done, I've been caught. Suck it up. No one's gonna know. I'll keep it to myself. Everything's gonna be fine. Next thing, they start singing happy birthday to this girl, right? And her boyfriend plays a video on a white on a screen in the back. So There's a big setup, right? Anyway, he goes down on one knee. And he proposes. Now, everyone's screaming, and I'm thinking, I'm not having this. I'm not having this at all. <laughs> and I see the fire alarm. There's a red, small uh, fire alarm, uh, right? Uh, 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 right? And I and next to the fire alarm, there's two <laughs> brooms. There's two brooms, two broomsticks. And I'm thinking, if I break the fire alarm, that's going to ruin their engagement. <laughs> and I can see an exit. And none of them know who I am. <laughs> so I, if I go up, break the fire alarm. The alarm goes off, and then I just walk out, get in my car. I'm gone. No, all right. And I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, right. So I pick up the broom, right, and I think I'll, I'll smash it with the broom, and I'll just go, right. This is pretty bad. So, so I walk in behind the bar. Well, like, there's a side entrance, you know, where the staff come in and out, like the latch goes up, you know, and it goes down. Like So I'm kind of like just standing in there and I'm thinking, right, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Can I get arrested in my head? Will I be arrested? What if they beat me up? You know, I'm thinking all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Anyway, the guy comes up to me anyway and hands me my money. I get my money. And I'd say there was about a 30 second gap from. When I was going to do it, to when I was doing it, and luckily he gave me my money, and I walked out. Wow. And if I did not get my money, I'd have smashed. And I, I, mean, I know you all want, I know you want me to say I smashed the fire alarm, but I didn't. <laughs> but like, I was thirty seconds away from smashing that fire alarm. And there's a part of me, there's a part of me that thinks to myself, it wasn't worth 150 quid. I should have smashed the fire alarm <laughs> because can you imagine the second that woman yes. was proposed to, her fire alarm goes off, and that would be. That that would have ruined everything. You've ruined my night. You've tricked me. You've a guy has threatened me on stage for doing nothing. I've been lighter, and I thought, there's topless male waiters walk? There was there was a there was a chocolate flamingo. I was like, you don't put a comedian. when there's a chocolate flamingo in the audience. Like, you know, that was the worst night of my life, and that happened <laughs> probably be, about <laughs> eight, eight or ten years ago. That happened, and I'll never forget it. You know, I'll never forget
0: it. That's but extraordinary. The,
1: oh, it was horrible. Like I still think about it. You know, I still think about it.
0: <laughs> what a great but sad story. Oh,
1: like. but it was just like I just wanted. I should have broken that fire alarm. I even <laughs> wish I broke that fire alarm. You know, but, but uh,
0: you must. But have, was, you must have good memories of gigs, though. You must. Have, oh, best, best some of better the, ones.
1: To be honest with you, I don't think. I don't think. I I could have. I I don't think. If i sat down and spoke to somebody and told them all the good things that have happened i don't think they'd believe me Do you wow know?
0: because that's, i've that's had magical. i've had
1: i've just had like some of the most amazing experience like, I did have done the apollo
0: yeah
1: i did the edinburgh gala a couple of times yeah, 3, yeah, yeah. People, i've been on bills with eddie Izzard, ken yeah. bridges john bishop and um, the, the cream of comedy and like your yeah. your name is up there as well yeah. and kind of like it's just i think One night, I'll never forget, uh, I did 3,000 people in Edinburgh at the Edinburgh Playhouse, and Adam Hills was hosting it. Wow. And, you know, Tom Allen, Rob Beckett, Adam Hills, uh, you know.
0: Just on and on. Angela Barnes,
1: just on and on and on. Kevin Bridges, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I went out, and I came off of stage afterwards. I just remember Adam Hills saying to me, you were the best actor the whole night. There you go. And uh, I was just like, came off like, and I, I just, I remember I sold out load of shows in Edinburgh after that night, and yeah. I just did a routine, a very simple routine about my nephew's christening. It was an old routine I had. Yeah, I don't yeah, have yeah. it anymore. And um, uh, the place just erupted, you know. But I, but when I got the laughs, I just remember all the years of experience of that gig, that that bad gig that I did, the 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 gigs that never went well. Like yeah. you, you learn to control the and you go accept the laugh and relax because the more relaxed you are the more relaxed the audience are and then yeah. the more natural you are the more the audience really engage and exactly, yeah. those those nights will, will stay with me like you know those nights of just coming off stage going you know when I was like I just like when I was like you know 24 like would never have thought that at that age of my life that I was I wanted to be a comedian and then there I am like walking out with all these people you That's know like incredible. it was just brilliant that
0: is yeah, so great a great story. It's it's it, you know, it's so good to see. Um, let's move on to Edinburgh. I've, I've seen you at, at the Edinburgh Fringe many times. Uh, what was your first Edinburgh Festival like?
1: So I did a, my first Edinburgh was with Joe Isa. Right. Uh, we did a show half an hour each uh, on the free fringe, right. and we did twenty five shows, and we so were that's very lucky. A full run. Full run and yeah, Joe had just won the BBC Comedy Award. So there was a bit of heat on Joe, and then so every day we had about fifty people in the room. It was full, you know. We queued around the corner. I mean, it was it was it was mental, like it was mental. And because Joe was the was the draw, and I was, um, I used to go on first, so that they wouldn't leave after Joe would go on first. You know what I mean? So um, I would always go on first, so they'd have to stay because they wanted to watch Joe. <laughs> 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 so, um, uh, but that was really good. That was that was a great learning curve. Just doing a half an hour, just you know, I probably never did more than 20 minutes before yeah, yeah. and it was on the free. So you, you go up there, you know, and you just kind of keep yourself to yourself and just do it. You know, what,
0: what year was that? Your first
1: 2012, one? I think. Right. Right. Yeah. 2012. And then yeah. I, I didn't do a solo. the far, I know I did a solo the following year. Um, and I probably shouldn't have, um, because I loved it so much. I just wanted to go back, but you know, this is the thing like, you know, comedy isn't just about having an hour. You know what I mean? It's about having an hour and being comfortable with yourself for an hour and, and all the pressure that that comes, you know, because you're going up to Edinburgh and you're thinking, right, I need to go up there with the best show. Whereas me, I always thought, like, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to enjoy myself and I'm also going to have, and hopefully people will come and see me. And I noticed after a few years of doing it, that I was starting to get really consistent crowds you know, I'd go from 50 seats and then I was doing 90 seats. And then like the last time I was there now, I was doing 85, 90 seats every day, nearly. And you realize, oh, this is, this is, this. And then I would say 30, 40% of the audience had seen me before. So you're on this, So next thing you're thinking the following year, then you go back up again, you might get to 110 seats 150 seats and then you know you've people like then like Jason Byrne and Andrew Maxwell who are doing 400 a night yeah, but they've yeah, been doing yeah. that for 25 years yeah. and that's how you yeah. you grow unless you're but then you know if you've got some people that around telly every day of the week um, what they do then is you know they'll go up and you know people might see them but I like I like to have the the, how would you say the years behind me do you know what I mean so yeah, that people yeah. go like you know because there's people that will go and watch people because they've seen them on telly and then they go how was the show and it goes oh yeah it was really good and you go you, "You, somebody that's working in the clubs and then they go how was it oh, it, was just, it was just great but yeah, every yeah. year because they're, they're more a match fit you know what I mean yes
0: exactly so like yeah, yeah. from
1: from the live because I think live comedy I mean I've done quite a bit of telly but like there's I, I remember like doing a panel show in Ireland and I did the warm up before the show and I had more fun doing the warm up than I did doing the show. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, yeah. Because it was live comedy, whereas yeah. when I was on the show, it was, it was stop, it was start, it yeah, was scripted, yeah, non-scripted. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And like you know, you go on, hard. you go, you go on telly because you want to be on telly, and you want to sell tickets, and you want to be funny on telly, and you want to do it, and you want to build your profile. And yeah. but ultimately, like you know, I want to have just have enough people to come and see me. Exactly. Like,
0: well, I, I go to the I'm very lucky to go to the Edinburgh Fringe every year it's my holiday and I go for a week and I see about 50 shows Wow! and I I need holiday when I come back because I'm exhausted but it's just the best experience the first year I went was 2005 and I've been going going there ever since I first saw your solo show Ruined in 2016 which I thought was absolutely brilliant Um, can you describe the writing process for an hour long show how do you get your ideas how do you approach the writing
1: yeah so I mean at the moment like i tell you what I'm doing now so I did a big solo show in Cork last year in yeah. a big theatre and um, I was booked to come back again oh, obviously that was all cancelled yeah. so what I've done is I'm, I'm writing a new show now called uh, it's called uh, Stop You're Annoying Me Now and uh <laughs>
0: I it's hope like, that's not Stop. the case here you're annoying me <laughs> so, um, that's the show great time and so what So what I do is
1: basically it. you know I, I try not to have shows that are topical in terms of the time because I don't want to like you know you know if people are topical comedians it must right. be great having COVID in America and what's happening all over the world but you can't perform it do you know what I mean and like when we come out of COVID I mean I'm not going to lie but I'm sick of it and if right. I keep hearing jokes about it it's just going to be doom. It's like, yeah. it's like people, people are, are just people.
0: It, are yeah. What?
1: I just think people, it's like when Donald Trump became president, yeah. it's like, yeah. right mate, I'm sick of it. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? There's, yeah. so I think like people are like, Oh, what's your COVID materials? Like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm sick of it. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about stuff around COVID. If you know what I mean? Like yeah. not working and being a bit lazy and getting another job because of COVID, but I won't talk about COVID directly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah. um, for me, like, at the moment now I'm writing a show, um, and so I had some, uh, my mum died uh, last year, uh, oh, f- f- man, 16, 16, 16 months ago. Oh. So i would be kind of, like, writing a bit about that and kind of, like, the transformation of, uh, from losing your kind of, like, security blanket yeah. to being, like, out on your own. So, like, things like buying a house and becoming a little bit more... Bit more of an adult and stuff that's happened in the world and yeah. uh, how I write is very straightforward. So what I do is people think like you know you never see a documentary on a comedian physically writing a joke. It never because it doesn't. It happens in a car. It happens like there was one little bit like there was a guy I was working at B and Q and he said to me, "Oh, where's where will like where, where will I get a combi drill?" And I was like, "Oh, you just get it down there in a the, in the drill aisle. It's aisle number 8 And he's like, "Yeah, but where is that?" And I'm like, "It's between seven and 9
0: Okay, <laughs> you know, like.
1: So, like, just stuff like that. And I think, oh, that's a funny bit. You know, that's yeah. a funny But that's, that's a funny bit because that's the general public, and the general public pissed me off. So that goes into the, that section. So how I kind of write at the moment is, how I physically write is, what I do is I have an office here, right. and I um, will normally, like, have a bit of an idea. And so at the moment, I'm working on a lot of living in East Belfast. But how can I make living in East Belfast appeal to people in London? Do you know, so what I do is I talk about the process of buying a house, and I talk about I bought a house. I bought this house without actually viewing it. I right. bought it on the internet, right? And um, because of the lockdown, I thought, you know what, I like I like taking risks, and uh, <laughs> luckily, luckily, it's kind of worked out. So then people <laughs> said, to me, "Oh, there's a pandemic. You need to go. You need to stay in your house to be and stay safe." I was like, "You know what? I'm going to do to stay safe. I'm going to move to loyalist East Belfast. That's what I'm going to do, right?" So. So then, so what I do is I come into my office and I have like a board and I have an idea that I write and I write the idea down so I go living in Belfast and then I stand up and I get my TV remote and I perform a gig and I ad-lib the gig. Wow. So I'll stand, so this is how I write. Like, so I'll be in my house and I'll have this idea and i have a pen next to the routine and I just stand up and I'll just be like this going, hey, it's really good to be here in London. And then I'll go, so I moved to Belfast recently that's right, Belfast. You all know Belfast, you know, and I and I love Belfast. And I I'm not going to lie, but I feel safer in Belfast than I ever did living in London. When I say safer in Belfast, just during daylight hours.
0: Do you know what I mean? Like, because there's a lot of late,
1: there's there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of late night writing. So then I think, oh, that's a nice line. So I'll just write down daylight hours. Yeah. Okay? And then i will say, then I'll do a load of that, and then I'll say to myself, right, who am I? Who am I attacking? Why am I attacking them? Is it justifiable? Is this just my opinion? I don't want to be picking on people of Belfast because I like Belfast. And yeah, I like yeah, the people yeah. of Belfast. So what I'm doing is I'm saying people have this perception. And I turn around and goes, I feel more safer in Belfast than I do in London. So now I'm giving it a different interpretation. Yes, I see, yeah, yeah. And then and then I go, but I live in I'm an Irish person living in the British side of Belfast. That's a bit out of the bit weird. And I talk about like so day one of moving into the housing estate and I thought and I got this great I came up with this joke and I thought this would be good people say to me Andrew you must be careful you know with your accent living in East Belfast and I go what do you think I was going to do day one turn up with the Irish flag and just (laughs) just like wave it around the housing estate shouting at my neighbours going going, there's going to be a few fucking changes around here I can tell you do you know what I mean so then so then, like that's how I write it, and then I, I'm in, I'm in my room just doing that, and then I'll, I'll write that down. That's that's the I mean? And then I go right. So that's me moving. But then, why did I move? Yeah. What made me move? And then I go, what, what's the what? So then I think myself like, like, what, what do I love about owning a house? What do I don't like about owning? It? What I don't like about owning this house is that my mother never got to see me be a homeowner.
0: Yeah.
1: Because of jokes. So then I tell you, like you know when everyone buys a house so their mum or dad will give you a little gift or something I didn't you know I didn't get my mom to yeah. come and view the house so then I'll talk about that like and then I'll talk about you know uh, that it makes me feel sad and then I'll talk about you know people say to me you should rent a room out and I'm like I can't have anyone on my, my carpet you know I can't have anyone <laughs> on my carpet on my carpet you know but then Every, every person so then and I'll give opinions on a stage, and then that's like a nice it was 10 minute block that's but that's brilliant. telling you the journey and then the next bit then it's like you know that's a nice sort of thing and then I kind of the next bit I'm kind of working on at the moment is like um, working on a bit then about like people and why I want to live alone and like uh, you know my kind of like how I kind of just, you know, I, I just, like, I'm, I'm actually looking for my notes here because I actually have a bit <laughs> of a writing pad going at the moment. uh Yeah, like dealing with carpenters, and so I'm just dealing with stuff that's happening to me. And then yeah. I just, just kind of stuff like that, like and then relationships, and and also like just kind of getting to the point where, you know, like I crashed my car recently, so I'm writing about that. And I just get it on ice on my estate. And I just the, hit a pole, oh, and I end up life. writing the car off, and then. All of these bad things kind of happened at once. And then I, I'm just talking about like self belief and all it's, this kind of buying a house thing and you're getting that yeah. becoming a matter. And then it just kind of like evolves from that. Like it's yeah. very hard to sit here and go, oh, I'm writing jokes about A, B, C, D, E, and F, and G. Yeah. Like I come into the room and I sometimes I'll do about 40 minutes a day, an hour a it's, day, and I mightn't even get much out of it. Like, you know,
0: it's fascinating though that you're rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing. You know, yeah, like I don't. Yeah, family. like
1: I don't. Some people will sit there; they'll physically yeah. right. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I don't do that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I actually, I just sit here and I'd be like going. Yeah. I'd be like going. Uh, I, I, I'll rubbing my hair and I'd be like going. So, uh, I, I'd, I'd be like going. Oh God, this Brexit thing is absolutely mental, and I'll just talk aloud. <laughs> I'm like, this Brexit thing is absolutely mental, and like. The thing about it is, is that like, I remember I saw a guy, and this is true, and I wrote a bit about this guy, and he was like, oh, stay two metres away from me. You need to protect myself. And I'm like, Jesus, man, you're very conscious about your help but you're not conscious about the cigarette that you're smoking, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's not like doesn't work, it like doesn't kind of work, you know, so, and I'll do, and I get, and after about half an hour of that, I'll just, I might get a line, I might, I might get, get two lines, line from it, yeah. and that's the end of it, i take the, i stopped stop then, you know. Wow.
0: I, I've i seen you also host many a comedy night, and the story that comes to mind was, um, when I saw you do Andrew Ryan's Pick of the Fringe. All oh, right, the end, yeah. The Fringe and I was one of the first in and my friends were late and they came in just as you went on stage and you walked on and you said, has anybody seen my solo show? And I yelled out, yes, I have. And you turned to me and you grinned and you said, can you tell me what the first line is? <laughs> <laughs> Cause I don't think you believed I actually got that. It was a wonderful uh, banter. Um, do you prefer comparing to doing a solo show?
1: I prefer solo show. Yeah. Yeah, you prefer yeah. Do,
0: you prefer writing and doing a solo show.
1: Comparing, I compare. I would compare probably forty to forty percent of the time. And the reason for that is I like shoe I like throwing in new material yeah, when I compare. Yeah. And yeah. um, and also I like comparing as well, but I don't want to be a oh Andrew Ryan. Yeah, he's a compare. Yeah. Do you know, yeah. I want to be like. Or oh, Android is yeah, an act and does does a show. shows. He does a bit of comparing as well. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the problem is, is that like I've com- like I've had some of my best nights on stage comparing as well. But I also go like, but well, I can't bottle that. Yeah. And do anything else with it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like like so I'm kind of like a bit like it is really handy to compare if you are trying out bits and bobs or you actually have a story that you know is working but you've added bits onto it. Right. And also, as well as, um, like, if you go to Club Comedy like you do, like Richard is like, uh, you know that the compare is so important. Yeah. Like, oh, it's yeah. one of the most yeah. important parts of the show, because if the compare isn't good, the, the get, you're losing, the, the, the comedy night's losing if the compare isn't good, and the acts have to come back and draw level, level
0: yeah.
1: and equalize and get it up. And then when the compare comes out again. And the audience don't like to compare. It really affects everything. So, like, there's so many good comparers out there. And like, uh, you know, I like doing. You know, I'm very lucky. Like comparing the comedy stories and me, really, I love comparing the comedy stories.
0: You do that many a time. But
1: Perfect. I, but I, I wouldn't like to compare the stand. No. Do you know what I mean? And the reason for that is because I like doing sets of the stand because. Yeah it's such a savvy crowd and I like them to hear my material. Whereas I'll go to the Birmingham Glee and I'll compare on the Friday, but I'll I'll do a set on a Saturday because there's a problem with the bill or somebody has to leave. So they might, so I'm always the kind, you book me, you can kind of get a set and you can get a compare. So I think when people book me to go, Oh, Andrew Ryan, he can do both. So he's good to have there just in case something kind of goes wrong. So, but I think I would say to a lot of comedians, if you're starting out is, Get comparing. Be able to have that skill under your your belt. You don't like. I remember seeing Ramesh compare. You know, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And Ramesh was a very good compare. Yeah. So, but it, but it's always. It's, I think it, if you can have that as well, especially in, on the circuit in the clubs, it, it it is it is a great asset to have it's to It's like being yeah. it's like being a qualified plumber and you're a qualified electrician as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> jobs.
0: yeah. Um, I've se- uh, uh, You've also appeared many times on Irish and UK TV, and I've seen you as a guest, for example, on Russell Howard's Good News. Is there any differences between TV comedy and live stand-up?
1: Well, the TV comedy, I often think, I I probably made a few mistakes when I was doing TV comedy. I was thinking more of the TV rather than just doing the comedy, you know? and more worrying about how I came across rather than and sometimes I'd be I'd spend more time thinking about what shirt I was going to wear whereas now I don't care I, I just kind of regret I do regret sometimes like the Russell Howard's Good News was my first ever TV show and wow. the actual record went really well but when I look back on it, I go jeez I can't believe I even did that <laughs> or said that sorry. every every comedian will tell you the same though so like you look back and you're like did I say that? <laughs> How, how and you're like going, how did that get a laugh Jesus <laughs> that was horrendous bit of material but but the thing is it's like it's like anything you know if I did Russell Howard's Good News now I wouldn't think twice about it yeah. but I'd, I'd be nervous and I'd be delight, delighted to do it but I would also be so much more relaxed and experienced because of doing stage time mean, you know every job you get more you know not that you're relaxed but you're comfortable you're comfortable yeah, in yeah, yourself yeah. Um, but at the time, I think doing Russell Howard's good news probably came about a year too soon for me, right you know, but if I turned it down, you know I never get it again you know they'll be looking for the next person yeah, you yeah. know
0: I, so yeah yeah sorry carry on
1: I think one thing I kind of regret is I got a lot of TV in my first sort of five years right and I kind of wish I held off a bit and asked could I do it a year later yeah. And I think I did okay in a lot of them. And I think when people see you and they go, "Oh, he did okay," but but I think like, but you know, you do realize that people get better. Yeah. Like they get better. So why couldn't you come and see me two years later? But they've already made up your opinion on you from that thing that happened a few years ago. I th- so I, think I, think I found TV you know,
0: TV is quite restricted as well. It's so much yeah. better seeing live acts because they can rightly
1: say what they like you know yeah but also TV's great like i mean i love yeah. mock the week i don't know what i'd be at. i i think i'd like to do mock the week but yeah be, and i'd see how i'd fare and i don't know if i'm the type of comedian because i don't do a lot of short stuff if you know what i mean so i look like, at i think i do I, you know what i think i would love to host the panel show i
0: think that's where really that's where i think
1: I think being the host of a panel show for me is better than being a guest because I can ad lib, I can MC and I'm I, I I'm comfortable around comedians and I know when to give a comedian space and I know when to let the comedian breed and do what they want to do. And I think I'd be I'd like to think I'd be generous at it because obviously the host is important, but it's yeah. also but the guests making sure that they're getting what they want out of it and making yeah. the guests comfortable. And I think because of my MCing, I think hosting a panel show would really would really suit me. But then again, there's only, what, five panel shows and they've had the same host for the last 10, 15 years. So to break into that market, it's hard. So unless, unless you know, one of them accidentally dies.
0: <laughs> well, there you, know. you are.
1: <laughs> Not naming any names, Darren, but I'm just saying, you know what I mean?
0: I've been, I've been to many TV recorded myself and one of, one of the best ones I ever went to, we went to Have I Got News For You and it was the first time Bruce Forsyth was on it. Oh, right. and it, and it, it was his comeback. It was just incredible, and he was trying to read an auto And there's a line in that where he, where he's, he's going, and I am laughing. You can hear me as clear as day on the video. And he turns around. He goes, "Please, this is satire," and I was <laughs> on the floor. Laughing, and I thought, well, I'll have my laughs on video forevermore. And oh, that's um, great. Was that's fantastic. really good. And, and and talking about Russell Howard. I first saw him in Edinburgh, and uh, I committed the cardinal sin because it was before he was famous, and he was. Tra- it was I, I thought this is a real find, and I was really enjoying it. Just as he walked on, my mobile phone went off, and it was a brand new mobile phone, and I didn't know how to switch it off, so I became part of his show.
1: <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes, sometimes you know, comics don't mind stuff no. like that.
0: <laughs> no, thankfully, he didn't. You know. <laughs> Um, my next question was do, what, uh, do, what is your ambition as a comedian so you would like to host a chat show uh,
1: I would like to host, to host a management? panel show yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I mean I've never really been a tech guy you know right. you know. I, I see a lot of people I've joined Instagram and yeah. uh, TikTok and that's really all I do I don't do Twitter um, yeah. and I have a Facebook page where I post a few videos and stuff but there's some people out there that you know they're really really good at Instagram and it really suits them um, for me, I'm kind of like, I'm not reluctant about it, but I, I say to myself, "Look, this is where the game is now, and I've 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 gone for it." And you know, so I'm I am using this lockdown to kind of change my mentality about how I push myself. For me, my ambition. Well, first of all, I'm already living it. So before COVID, I'd already. I've, yeah. I, I'm not, I don't care what anyone says, whether you've been on. The fact that my job is a comedian. I've kind of hit a level that I'd be forever grateful for. Um, But when you get into something, it's like playing football and you play in the championship, you want to play in the premiership. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of thing. So like for me, it's a bit like, now it's a bit like, it's really, really uh, becoming a better writer um, and also growing the audience that I have for people to come and see me. I just want to tour and do bits of TV here and there. I have a documentary pilot that's been commissioned in Ireland that right. was, is on hold. We've we've we got the pilot commissioned with a friend of mine, uh, Shane Casey, who's an actor in the show The Young Offenders. And we had that, uh, in last September, it was put on hold. And I'll be honest with you, I don't even know if, if we'll get the chance to do it because of right. COVID, you know. But the fact that I got to the stage where that was accepted, you know, and I know that there is doors there that are open it's just a matter of me. I'd like to go into hosting, like a panel show, and I'd also like to go into doing some documentary stuff, as well as building up my tour and building up an audience like that. And also, oh, as much as people said, I also just want to still do comedy clubs. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I know you have some comedians and they're amazing. They don't, they pop into clubs when they do their new material. For me, I would still like to be doing up the creek. And I still want to do a 99 Club and I still want to yeah. do the Comedy Store. Yeah. Because I
0: so miss that.
1: It's just the best. Yeah. It's just the best. Like yeah. people, people go, oh, and people don't realize it's like, you know, when you go to big shows, you do big theaters, stuff like that, to be in, to have 300 people like on you. Yeah. And that anything goes, That it's, 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 it's spontaneous. You know, fantastic. it's great fun. Yeah. yeah.
0: Watching as well. It, it, it's just, it's, to me, it's the, it's it's the perfect night out because because you can go you can you can have a few beers you can watch the show you can stay behind afterwards it's just wonderful and i really miss that on a saturday night um you know uh but it will be back i'm sure um uh we're all living in strange times a horrible time at the moment awful um Mm. Have you done any online gigs? How do you find them different to standard? I've done
1: about like, I'd say I'd say I've done about twenty, twenty, right. twenty-five. 25. Um, I've got one this Thursday. I've done right. quite a good few actually and I have really enjoyed them actually. I have really enjoyed them and I didn't think I would. You don't you know? mind
0: talking to a screen?
1: No, I don't <laughs> mind it, like I mean if the audience are bought into the concept then it's much easier yeah yeah and also like um, I think people when they come on to watch a Zoom comedy I think their expectations are quite low yeah and I think very quickly they realise well actually this is really good and I think the comedians you know um, I've you know like I the first one I did I was like oh this was actually quite good because you know they have a little front row and you can actually hear a bit of laughter and people don't realise but just that bit of laughter really galvanizes it, you know. I was just
0: going um, to say the first three or four I did, the, 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 there was no audio. You could hear the comedians, but there was no audio. So I was laughing very loudly to four walls. And nobody could hear me, <laughs> and I thought, "This." I, I, was, I thought I'm going to get taken away here, but but thankfully yeah. they they certainly they always be comedies. One I go to, they they yeah. switch the audio on. Um, But I think they all are doing that now because, as you say, to hear the laughter is great, you know. Yeah,
1: and I I think, like, look, you know, comedy is great at adapting. And as soon as lockdowns happened, people adapted and people bought into it and it's grown. And obviously we got a a few outdoor gigs last summer and stuff like that. And I'm sure that will return around May or June as people are vaccinated. know there is light at the end of the tunnel now it's just a bloody long tunnel you
0: know (laughs) so like um please please come back live comedy you can't be yeah this is wonderful The online thing but but uh, i mean if i didn't have it i wouldn't know how i'd get through it but um uh live comedy you just can't beat it i don't think um who are your favorite comedians past and present
1: Bill Burr is my favourite one at the moment wow. um, I Thank also you. really like um, really really love Andy Askins
0: yeah he's superb.
1: So yeah he's just the most underrated oh it's just I just whenever I gig with him and I gig with him quite a bit and I see him a lot and I consider him a good friend of mine I always ask him to do certain bits of material really because is. I just love it like uh, Andy Askins is great um, I really like Chris Kent yeah 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 um, I really like Chris Kent Um you know,
0: you've, you've you've toured with Chris.
1: We did a tour, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, Chris I reme- be- I
0: remember at the Edinburgh Fringe. You were saying about your workman-like thing. I remember coming out of the show, and at the bottom of the stairs, it was at the um, the assembly on the mound. You were flying and, I, and and I thought, well, there is a comedian who is flyering for another, but it but it was for it was for both of you. It was for yeah. The, it, I spoke uh, to you. I remember. I, remember talking,
1: you. I was talking to you, didn't I? I went yeah, to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I stopped you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, oh yeah, like you know, like yeah, like finish the show. Yeah, back on the street, working again. Keep and working, think, keep working. Chris
0: Kent was on the best of the fest afterwards. That's what I was going to. And so yeah. You were there, and and I just thought that's wonderful that you were keeping the work. Ethic
1: going, you know, if you like, yeah, yeah, like I think I think uh, I like to work, you know, like I, yeah. I, I do like working. And in Edinburgh, I would always flyer myself, yeah, like I would yeah. never like, like, I'd have flyers that would be employed through my agency off the curb, but like I always fired and I never, yeah. I always thought comedians should flyer, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I never shied away from it. And uh, I think, I think sometimes people think, I think you know, some some comedians anyway, um, you know just because you've got a poster and stuff like that, like you still have to graft, you know, so like, right, and like, yeah, yeah,
0: totally, you know, and yeah. I
1: like, I like, I like, you know, when the pandemic happened, you know, obviously it was very depressed and down about it and like everybody was and you lose everything and you're like, Oh Jesus, you know, how long is this going to last? And you realise this is, you know, around September time when I realised that actually this is going away. Cause I thought when, when the summer opened and we were back at the pubs and the bars, okay. I think oh, we're, we're, we're coming out of it now this is where, it. you know, exactly. we're coming out of it. Yeah so I decided to get a job so I got a job at B&Q and yeah. you know I'm doing you know, 20, 20 and I because I'm not afraid to do the work you know no. I like work I like I like to physically, you know physically I was in work I was B&Q today from nine o'clock till three all, on my feet all day Amazing. you know Amazing, what I mean and I'm, and I'm in there tomorrow again you know glad. so
0: good aren't you, you no know? um in the real world like me do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience
1: probably one a year wow I don't go to a lot. I'll only go to probably comedians I wouldn't see. Uh, the last comedy gig I went to that wasn't me was I went to see Chris Kent record a special in Cork, and I was I was at was in Cork at the time, and I would only go if he gave me a free ticket. <laughs> Do you
0: um, mm. stay and watch the acts if you're on a bill?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, to a point, to a point. Yeah. Depends on the drive, depends on the yeah, drive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course.
1: Yeah. Like um, if I was, if I was, if I was, if it was a two hour drive and I was on first, I'd be a bit like, guys, I'm off.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got to get your priorities. <laughs> yeah. <this. laughs> um, yeah. I'm off. Just before we go. Um, is there anything else you would like to say where can people find you on social media yeah uh got the online of, gigs yeah, coming up any podcasts or anything
1: and I've got some online gigs coming up um, in March and stuff right? February stuff, but they're not um, they're I don't have the details yet because they're all still being organised you know right um, so basically yeah like I mean I put some videos up on TikTok at Andrew Ryan Comedy and Instagram at Andrew Ryan Comedy so I've cut my clips and I put in little clips and I have some clips that do quite well and my ISIS in Belfast clip did really well and uh, some clips you know you pick up quite a lot of followers and stuff like that and I think it's just about saying look here here, I'm a comedian uh, when all this is over you know come buy a ticket come see a show go and see comedy so I just kind of keep a ticket over until we can kind of get stuck in again but yeah just do that like I don't like you know, you're not going to be getting amazing content. I'm just going to tell you now. I'm not interested in hearing what you've had for your breakfast. Uh, I don't care about how you feel about uh, about uh, why Donald Trump did something. I don't really care, right? All I'm interested in is it. This is what I don't mind. I don't. I don't give a shit about most people's stuff online. Like, good for you, brilliant. But I'm kind of like, I'm not of the generation of that where it's like yeah. hey guys hey guys so today i got a starbucks and you know it was really cold and i just feel violated i'm like you fucking you're annoying me <laughs> that's my show you're annoying me yeah you know well
0: <laughs> so. i i for one cannot wait to see that and i cannot wait to see you live again soon my friend
1: oh good that's great thanks richard and listen oh. you're 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 comedy's number one super fan you know what i mean well, that's why you. you know so, you so it's a Every comedian knows who you are. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Everyone's like, is Richard in tonight? Richard's always fucking in, mate. He's always in.
0: You're going to have a good night. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you.
1: No worries. And thanks for having me. And good luck with it. We'll, we'll see you soon, hopefully. Thank you. All right. Definitely see you, see later see you soon. Richard. All, All right. the best, I mate. Mean, take care. Bye-bye.